morning. It is wonderful to have all of you here this morning. We'll begin our service by singing the doxology, which is found in your hymnal number 549. Now this is the message that we have heard from his son and announced to you. God is light and there is no darkness at all in him. If then we say that we have fellowship with him, yet at the same time live in the darkness, we are lying both in our words and in our actions. But if we live in the light, just as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, makes us clean from every sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and there is no truth in us. But if we confess our sins to God, we can trust him, for he does what is right. He will forgive us our sins and make us clean from all our wrongdoing. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 250. Angels we have heard on high. Number 250, Angels we have heard on high.
Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that all of us are here this morning to come and worship you. And God, we do so freely and willingly. And Lord, as we come before you with the needs and requests in our lives, we pause and say thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship. We do not take it for granted, and we are so thankful for the freedom that our service members have provided to us in peace and in war, so that we can worship you freely according to our own faith and conscience. God, we lift up the needs that we have in our lives, the needs of family members and friends, the needs of patients throughout this medical center, the needs of the staff that are working today, the needs of the family members who will be visiting. Lord, we lift all those needs up to you, the small needs and the big needs. Because, God, you always want to hear what is on our hearts and what is on our minds. And, Lord, we lift those things up to you now. We'd ask, God, that you would give us the wisdom and discernment that we need as we face the many challenges in our lives. That you would give us that understanding that we need to have as our desire is to always follow your will in everything that we do. And, Lord, we just praise you. And we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 247, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. 247, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen.
Thank you for singing with me. It's always good when I don't have to do a solo up here. Appreciate that. Our scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, beginning with verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, Lord, we are so thankful for the way you've just been uniting our hearts in worship this morning. And God, I would ask that you would help me say those things that we all need to hear so that we can draw closer to you and understand our lives better as we desire to walk with you in all things. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. You know, at our house, we're getting ready for Christmas, and the, the tree went up, and my wife commented that she wanted some different types of lights because she likes the lights on the green string, right, instead of the white string. So being the nice husband that I am, I went out and got her the lights on the green string. But I was smart. I did not put them on the tree. I let her do that. <laughs> because I know she would do it correctly. So. And then we also, we're also getting Christmas cards, and we've also been making Christmas cookies. In fact, uh, two of our grandsons who are here with us today, we're watching them over the weekend, and, and uh, my wife wanted to do something really special with them. So she told me that she was going to make snowman poop with them. And I said, snowman poop? She goes, I mean it as a noun, not as a verb. <laughs> and so yesterday they actually made some snowman poop which is like Cheerios and peppermint and white chocolate and so they actually made some snowman poop yesterday so our heart is getting ready for Christmas including making the snowman poop within our own lives each day we need to be reminded that God's love for us through his son Jesus Christ is a noun but it is also a verb. It is something that we can have incorporated into our lives, the love that God has for us through his Son, Jesus Christ. But it's also something that we can exercise and we can do, something that we can have, something that we can possess, but yet also something that we can share. And the scriptures that I have read this morning reminds us, and I don't know where you fit in in terms of this portion of scripture, but I identify with the tax collector. Because any time I go before God, I know how unworthy I am. 
But I must admit to you, as I read the scriptures talking about the Pharisee, I did think of some people that I know, right, that have that kind of attitude as the Pharisee. That they are far superior because they're not as a much of a sinner as these other people. And of course, those same people, which I won't mention by name, but I did think about them, and I think about the self-righteousness that they always portray every time that I'm with them. And sometimes it's very difficult, right, to be around those folks that you know you think that they are better than you. And if you pardon the expression, they think their poop does not stink, right? I have to be careful what I say because these things are put out on the YouTube and I podcast these messages. So you need to be careful of my language as I'm reminded from time to time. But we can all relate to those things. We can all relate to those attitudes and actions that do not reflect someone that is truly following Jesus Christ. And when we get caught up in our self-righteous, and we all do that, I I do that, I get caught up in my self-righteous, I thank God that at times I say I'm not as bad as this person, I'm not as bad as this person, because we do that comparison, right, to try to make ourselves better. Because any time we are doubting our relationship with God, when we're doubting our own self-esteem, our own self-worth as a person in our walk with God, we try to make ourselves look better than the people that are around us. So when we think of the Pharisee, I actually want you to think about this. Not someone that is self-righteous, and the scriptures refer to that, but someone that is very insecure about their relationship with God. And so when you are with those people that portray that attitude of self-righteousness, that somehow they are better than you are, they're actually insecure in their relationship with God. Because why else would they have that attitude? If they have confidence in their relationship with God, if they have confidence in their walk with God, they would not portray that attitude of insecurity. So when you come across those folks, especially during the holiday season, friends and relatives, you know, I've said this before here in the chapel, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your relatives. And in the same way, when we're involved in those relationships, that maybe we see those people once in a while, maybe not for a year, maybe not for a couple of years, and they portray that self-righteousness because of the situations that we happen to find ourselves in. Have mercy on them. Show them grace. Because, number one, they are showing their ignorance in their walk with God. And they're showing their insecurities in their walk with God. Because the tax collector knew exactly where he stood with God. And he was not insecure. Because he realized that he was separated from God. He realized that he had done things that did not bring honor to God and ask God for forgiveness and a truly matter of repentance of heart and of mind and of spirit. He knew where he was with God. He was not insecure with his relationship with God because he knew he could come before God and confess those sins, those things that separated him from God and from that love of God. 
So when you come across those folks and you try to compare yourself to them, don't do that. Because if you know where you stand with God, you're good. If you know where you stand with God, there's no insecurities about your relationship with God. Because you know that you need God in all things. You realize that as you walk daily with God, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things wrong. You're going to have an honesty and an openness before God that a person who is self-righteous will never have unless they too become open and honest with God about their relationship with Him. And as we celebrate Christmas, we are reminded again and again that God wants to establish that relationship with us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because we remember Christ's birth. And that's where the story begins in terms of our relationship with God, in terms of God's desire to be with Him in all things. Because Christ came for all of us that are sinners. And as the Apostle Paul remarked, that he said himself that he was the chief of sinners. Because he knew where he was with God. He did not have any insecurities with God. He knew that as he walked with God, it was a daily challenge to do those things that pleased God. And so he knew exactly where he stood. And he did not have an attitude of self-righteousness. So Christ came for each and every one of us. He came for us because God loves us. He gave us something. His Son, Jesus Christ. He shared something with us. His love for each and every one of us. And each and every one of us is lost unless we have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So God is always seeking us. His desire is always to be looking for us and to help us along in each of those steps of the journey that we make through life. He's always looking for the times that we get lost. He's always looking for us at those times when we have that disorientation where we kind of lose sight of our purpose and who we are and what we should be doing and what our life is about. He's always looking to help us. He is always looking to save us from ourselves. A pastor a while ago was talking to me and we were talking about people that come to us for needs and so forth and so on. And he was sharing with me that there are times as a pastor that he would like to tell people in all earnesty and truthfulness that God did not create the situation that they were in. They created it by making the decisions that they made. And to do so in a loving way. And we see by example in the scripture that the tax collector knew that he had created the situation that he was in. 
That's why he could come before God and to cry out to him and to humble himself before God because he took responsibility for his actions. He took responsibility for his attitude. And that's what God wants us to do. Each time we go before God to take responsibility for our actions, to take responsibilities for our attitudes. Because when we know where we are with God, where we know when we stand with God, when God gives us direction, when God gives us purpose, when God gives us the revealing of His will for our lives, we see it very clearly. Because the light and the presence of God is in our life. The call to worship that we read this morning talks about the fact that if we walk in the light of Jesus Christ, we can see things anew. We can see the truth that has been revealed to us. But we can only do that when we take that personal responsibility for ourselves. As long as we play the blame game, right? God did that situation. That person did that. And yes, do things happen to you that are beyond your control and influence? Yes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying those things that you can take responsibility for in your life. The reactions that you have to situations, you can take responsibility for that. Does the person that wronged you have to take responsibility for their actions? Yes. But you're not responsible for them. You're only responsible for yourselves. Because when we're playing the blame game, we divert that attention, right? We redirect as we talk about that. We transfer our responsibilities to others and to different circumstances because we don't want to deal with it ourselves. We're looking for justification to justify our actions that we know are wrong. Christ tells us not to do that. To be humble before God. To take that personal responsibility before God. Because when we do that, then we are able to put forth those changes in our lives that we need to make to make our lives better. Because Christ reminds us again and again and again that he always wants to be with those that know where they're at with God. Many times here throughout this medical center, some of the vets always tease with me about coming to chapel and that they're afraid that the building will collapse around them that they will be struck by lightning if they enter into the chapel. But in my conversations when we have those kind of things in a joking manner, I remind them in a nice and loving way that you know where your relationship is with God, right? Because they know that. That's why they're saying those things. They're being honest. They know that they're separated from God. And I remind them of that. And many times it kind of breaks down some of those walls, you know, because I guess they expect that I'm going to be offended or that I'm going to be frustrated with them. No, I, I laugh with them too because there are times even in my own life when I come in this chapel 
that I'm concerned that it might fall down on me or that I might be struck by lightning. Because I know, I hope I know most of the time what my relationship is with God. But see, God has adopted each and every one of us to be one of his sons and daughters. And he seeks us, he beckons us, he calls us. He wants us to be with him in all things. He knows that we are sinners. He knows the things that we have done wrong. But yet he welcomes us to be in a relationship with him. He invites himself to be with each and every one of us through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He comes to us to lead us, to guide us, to be our shepherd if we need that. He comes to also be our master, one of authority, one that we respond to. He reminds us that he wants our lives to be one of righteousness because that's the best possible life that we can have in our lives. If we attempt to do more that is righteous before God, not within our own strength, not within our own power, but doing those things that are the right things to do, doing those things that honor God, he reminds us in that to go and learn from our lives. And as we come together, as we worship together, God reminds us that He is there for us and that He has the means to change our lives if we desire to have our lives changed. Because Christ has come to be a source of regeneration for us, to renew our lives, to renew our walk with Him. Christ seeks us because He wants to give us the leadership in repentance in our lives, confessing those things before God. Because if we see that regeneration, those things that can transform our lives, if we can see that God in His repentance desire for us to repent before Him, we can also see that within our daily lives that we have a sense of rejoicing, a sense of peace, that passes all of our understanding. Because Christ is always seeking us. Christ is always looking for us to be humble before him. Because when we do that, we are entering in the relationship with him, one of security, one of love that we can take and that we can possess one of love that we can share an attitude and an action that wants us to bring others to him not in the sense that we are better than anybody else on the contrary we know that we are separated from God without Christ Jesus in our lives and when we communicate that when we share that love with others in a very humble manner, in a manner that requires us to be meek, 
And the perfect definition I heard a couple of weeks ago about being meek is being one of self-control. And when I thought of that, I thought how much that made sense. To being meek means that you exercise self-control with others. It's not a sense of weakness. In fact, if you think about it, if you're meek, and if you follow that definition of self-control, you're actually revealing what? That you are stronger than others. Because you can exercise that self-control. Because you know yourself. You know where your strengths are. You know where your weaknesses are. And because of that, you can share the love of Christ that he has given you. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion. And we always practice open communion here at the chapel, which means if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's between you and God. And you're always welcome to take communion with us. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have reminded us that in our daily walk with you, you want us to be that tax collector who knew the score between you and him. And that he humbled himself. And that he asked for forgiveness because he knew that he has done wrong. He was secure in his relationship with you. He was honest and open in his relationship with you. And God, I would just ask, that all of those barriers that we have, all of those walls that prevent us from being honest with you, would be taken down. And that we can seek that regeneration that our relationship with you means, that we can have that repentance to turn away from the things that we have done wrong and try to do better. And that in that process, we can sense the rejoicing of the presence of your Spirit in our lives. Thank you, God, for this communion. In Christ's name, amen.
received from the Lord, what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn this morning is number 229. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. service on Christmas Day here in the chapel at 9 o'clock. So if you are here on Christmas Day, we will be having a chapel service here at 9 o'clock. Let us close in prayer. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have brought us, each one of us here, to just draw closer to you. And God, we have accomplished that, and we are so thankful for the honesty and the openness that has been shown this morning. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.